Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com slash podcast. All right, let's get started. In this podcast, we talk to everybody involved in the developer relations industry. Today, we're talking to Louise Ogilvie, who runs Develocity.io, a specialist recruiter for DevTools startups. And in particular, Louise helps developer advocates find jobs. We talk about a whole bunch of issues facing the industry, including the old favorite of measurement. And that discussion generates some insights that I haven't heard anywhere else. Finally, we talk a little bit about developer advocate pay and whether it should be the same as developer pay. Alrighty, let's talk to Louise. Hello, Louise. It is so nice to have you on Fireside with Boxgate podcast talking about developer relations. How are you today? Oh, I'm very good, thank you. And um, very pleased to have been asked to come on and talk about all things DevRel. I'm delighted to have you on. Um, we try to have as many different people in this space as possible, uh, everybody from CTOs to uh, interns. Um, you do something called Develocity. That's your company. So I'm just going to let you introduce it and talk about it. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I uh, I work in recruitment and have done now for over 20 years. Um, and I've spent probably the last seven or eight years of my career working with startups. So very much advising founders, um, technical um, startups predominantly, and a couple of years ago, I got introduced to two very wonderful founders of a dev tools company. And I was introduced to them at quite a critical stage when they were looking to grow and expand and to go through a series A raise. And I've helped them to uh, increase their headcount by 42% and they've been through their series A. And it was my first introduction to the concept of DevTools and um, did a lot of research around it. So here very much, you know, talking about companies that are building products specifically for developers or engineers and, and something that contributes along the software development lifecycle. So um, it was a whole new sector to me, and I worked with this company and a couple of others and then decided to break away and form a completely new, separate second company called Develocity, which is um, developer velocity. So putting those two words together, uh, Develocity. And That's great. Yeah, it. It's a great name. I know. I, I, I actually quite love the name. <laughs> And so Develocity now is very much dev dedicated and focused to working with um, startups in the dev tools space worldwide. And I very much kind of define the areas that we focus on in terms of um, design. So product designers, product managers, UI, UX. Then on to the build. So software developers who are building the product or the platform. And then go to market, which is very much focused on developer relations, advocacy, community managers. So I, I do the whole sort of cycle of taking a product 
or a platform from zero to then taking it out to the market. Um, so yeah, very much dedicated to the dev tool space. I, I, the, the first question that comes to my mind is, you have a, you have a, a you must have a really interesting uh, perspective on how the industry has uh, evolved in the last couple of years, right? Because yes. you, you've, you've been there almost from the start, right? So you're seeing growth in the dev tool space. You're seeing growth in the amount of developer relations roles. What what, what yes. are you seeing in the market? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's been a number of um, changes in the market that have definitely resulted in an increase in these dev tools startups. So, um, you know, if we look, for example, at some of the companies that are having to make layoffs, so all of a sudden these companies are asking their software developer teams to do more with less. Um, and so obviously, if there's any way to help with those teams, you know, becoming more um, productive without asking developers to work 20 hours a week more. So where can they save time? Where can they automate processes? So I think, um, as we know, software is taking over the world. Um, and so there are more and more companies looking to build code, release code uh, much quicker. So I think there's been an increase in interest in how do we make these developer teams more productive? Um, I also feel that off the back of that, uh, you know, there's more awareness now of developer burnout um, based on those and other factors. You know, COVID, I know that software engineering has always been an advocate for remote working, but obviously that's um, been expedited considerably with COVID. So now you've got pockets of developers who are now perhaps working more remote than they did before. And so there's an awareness within organizations of um, you know, mental health uh, around developers and development teams. So we've seen a huge movement in terms of companies now looking at that whole DevX, you know, the developer experience internally. So yeah, absolutely. Over the last two years, I have seen a huge increase in the number of startups that are dedicated to dev tools and also uh, a huge incre increase in the amount of investment that's going into them. You know, there are now dedicated uh, VCs to dev tools, for example. Ooh, are you, so, are, you able, are you able to name them? I am indeed, yes. So there is, um, oh gosh, there's there's quite a few, but there's one um, over in US um, called Basis Set, and they actually have a Dev Tools community group. So they um, have a, a group of founders of Dev Tools who um, share experiences, who share resources. Um, in fact, I'm over in San Francisco in September because I'm actually sponsoring or hosting um, uh, at one of their kind of community meetups. So that will be a whole group of DevTools founders. And I can absolutely share some others. Um, there's also Tapestry, sorry, Tapestry VC. Um, so they are also 
dedicated to investing in companies that are building products for technical audiences. So we've seen an increase in companies starting, coupled with an increase in investors now starting to really understand and appreciate the value that those tools can add in the software world. That is, it is really encouraging. Um, yes. I think there's, I think you'd agree, there, there seems to be a long-term trend, which is upward, right? This is this, the whole idea of dev tools, developer relations, feels like it's establishing itself as a core activity in a lot of SaaS businesses. There was a bit of a blip this year with some of the layoffs, um, Yes. You'd be worried? Um, we've obviously seen, I mean, it's um, it's been disappointing to see on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm on LinkedIn all day and uh, it's been very disheartening to see the number of individuals that are posting that they have been laid off. Um, the vast majority, as I'm sure we can all see, are in those bigger organisations. Yeah. So it's it's... There's been less of an impact on those sort of small to medium-sized companies. But that in itself comes back, I think, to my point earlier, which is those big companies that are, you know, laying off. And it's not all within engineering. Of course, it's not. But the, the, the issue therein lies that, you know, they're still expecting their dev teams to produce, but with in some cases, the number of team that they had prior to those layoffs. Um, so, I, I think it's cyclical, and I, I, I'm, I'm tending to see it's dropping off a little bit. I think last year was the worst. Um, I follow a tracker if anybody's interested called layoffs.fyi, um, and that kind of lists a huge number of the companies that are going through um, layoffs. So it's definitely slowed down, I would think, but but I'm unfortunately I don't have um that crystal ball to say what's gonna happen by the rest I, of yeah. I, I read a I read an article recently just to get nerdy and macroeconomic on it mm. that um you know interest rates are basically zero. So there was tons of free money. So there was no downside yes. hiring and hiring hiring. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah and I think we, I think I think Absolutely. I think a lot of companies came out of, we came off the back of COVID and um, hiring, you know, spiked. Um, it really did. And then I think when the later impacts of COVID, et cetera, started to filter through in 2022, um, that's why I, I, I feel, you know, that last year was was kind of at that pinnacle, I suppose, really, of layoffs. And I'm I'm hoping now that this year we're starting to see a little bit of a um, you know, a, a, a flattening of that curve, I guess, really. Yeah. Well I mean let, let I mean let's let's turn to the bigger trend in developer yes. relations, which is I think we're just at the start of this journey. Um I mean we, we were we were just chatting before we came on about how uh, so many companies have no clue that developer relations is even a thing. Uh, yes. uh I, I one of my previous guests, a chap called Adel Devander, was talking about um, the types of companies that he engages with uh, 
the dev tools companies would be kind of developer first in terms of their marketing because the developers are the the buyers, the decision yes. makers, effectively. Uh, but then you also have developer enabled companies where um, the product is not a dev tool really, but there's there's a, there's a significant system integration or APIs or whatever. So yes, significant influencers. Now I know your focus is on dev tools, but a rising tide raises all yes. boats. Um, in, in our experience, uh, so, you know, we do developer relations services and we help people build APIs and SDKs and set up communities and all that stuff. Um, what I'm seeing in some of the pitches that I'm doing is I'm talking to companies that, uh, have only sold through traditional business style sales where people go on golf courses and yeah. proper sales people uh, talking to the C-suite. Um, and I, 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 it's interesting for me because I know the effectiveness of developer relations. I used it very effectively in my last company. Um, but then you hit a kind of brick wall with some companies where they look at you like you have four eyes. I don't, I don't know, have you yes. seen that? Or yeah, you? I think, yeah, I mean, I think, look, amongst, within the, within the dev tools world, um, I suppose we're fortunate because you're absolutely right. They are developer first, you know, they're building products for developers. So ultimately they understand that in order to drive sales and revenue long term, the aim is to drive adoption by developers for your product, whether that is through, you know, community or content or blogs or going to conferences, etc. So I think there's there's absolutely um an awareness of what the role is within um, the developer tools world, so to speak. Although that, you know, start, does still present, I feel, some uh, observations around um, having that function within that business because it's easy to say we're a dev tools company, we need to drive adoption, let's bring in, you know, somebody in a DevRel role but ultimately, um, you've still got to have an understanding of what your expectation is on that person. Um, how do you measure the effectiveness of that person or that function? And also, for example, where do they sit? You know, do they sit aligned with marketing or sales, which is where they don't want to be? Um, you know, they don't want to be aligned with sales because that's not how they necessarily necessarily view their uh, role, although ultimately the activities that they do will have an impact on that. So I think within the DevTools world, yes, it's it's understood what that function is. But I've had lots of DevRel uh, people approach me after we wrote some blogs saying, you know, you've just hit the nail on the head. This is exactly what I do. But it's really hard trying to describe to people what I do. And so I do think there is a huge knowledge gap um, overall in terms of what the DevRel function is there to do. Um, I think, you know, a big part of that is sometimes, you know, if people don't understand it, they don't embrace it. Um, so it's very much looking at you know, how, you know, it's one of those things, if you don't understand something, it's easy to just put it under the, you know, push it under the carpet. Um, but actually, how do we educate 
um, you know, enterprise customers or or just anybody outside of DevTools of exactly the benefit of a DevRel uh, individual team function um, overall. Because, you know, you're right, there's a huge advantage um, to enterprise customers who don't have a developer-first product, but who would like developers to utilize their APIs, et cetera. So there is definitely an advantage to having a DevRel team or function, even if you're not a developer-first product. Oh, absolutely. I had a personal experience recently. I was a um, uh, salesperson got hold of my mobile number and I answered it by mistake. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was for a, a marketing tool and... Um, you know, they're pushing me into, oh, we could, we could just do a 20-minute demo, 20-minute demo. Yes. And uh, I'm saying, well, look, uh, you know, I'm technical. I, you know, I want to see your docs. Send me, you know, send me, send me, send me some links by email. Yes. Um, you know, show me the code. Uh, yeah. And it, it was really vacuum cleaner salesmanship, you know. Mm. Guy was like, oh, no, I got to get, got to hit my metrics, got to get a demo. <laughs> Um, and I, I sort of had to be straight with him. I, I, I sort of, had, you know, I had to say, you know, you know, have you seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? It's, you know, this is not working on me. Yes. Yeah. I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm a prospect. Give me what I want. Um, yes. And then they promised to send docs, but uh, since that time, I've had three calls, all of which I've had to reject from the same chat. Tried getting onto a demo again. Um, <laughs> but if they had some developer relations, exactly. What if they were yeah. have an API? But of course, I have to fill out a form, and then I'm on some ridiculous yes. newsletter. You know, uh, I, 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 I worry about people who end up in DevRel roles in companies that don't, as you say, really understand the role. I mean, I've, mm. I've heard there's a lot of burnout as well, right? Yes. Are you, do you see that in, in people that you help? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a couple of, of DevRel roles that I'm working on at the moment. So, and as part of my 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 role, I guess, is that I do lots of headhunting. It's how I manage to maintain a network of uh, dev tools specialists and a couple of people that I've reached out to recently who had been in the role um, said, "No, I it it I've, I'm done. I'm done with it. You know, it's I'm I had burnout because it is nonstop. You know, it's um it's very it's a very difficult role." to fill um, because my view, and I apologize if this is not a um, shared view, but my view is, is that you really need to have that deep technical expertise. So, you know, we see lots of developers um, who have then moved into DevRel because you've just given a great example there. Um, had that perhaps not that a DevRel person would have picked up the phone to make a sales call. So it's not the same, but if we look at that scenario, you were in in a slightly different way. Had that been, um, you know, somebody that was deeply technical, you probably would have had a conversation about various different pain points, etc. And you know, they would talk about their experience of having been through a similar thing. Um, and so, the the difficulty with filling the role is you need that deep technical expertise, but also you've got to have somebody who you know, loves communicating, loves building communities, is happy to go to conferences, et cetera. And, and it's not the easiest um, sort of persona to find. Um, so 
but when you do, it's how do you then look after that person? Because, you know, if they are, look, I know I'm in recruitment. I talk to people all day. I get to the end of the day. My children want to talk to me. And sometimes I have to say, can you just give me half an hour? Yeah. Because I've been talking all day. I've been giving people my attention all day long. And DevRel is no different, you know, whether that's because you're on Slack channels talking to people, you know, answering technical questions or whether you're, you know, recording YouTube videos or whatever it might be or, or you know, there are, and, and this is another point actually, is that, you know, DevRel can sometimes, in a startup, in a very small company, you know, that DevRel person quite often has the additional responsibility of a solutions engineer. So they can also be, you know, maybe talking technically to customers on the phone as part of that early kind of process, or maybe looking at the onboarding and the integration if a company isn't big enough to have multiple people in multiple roles. So I know from personal experience that you're talking to people giving of yourself all the time. It becomes tiring. Um, very draining. And yeah, it's very draining. It is. It's very. It's a, It's very draining. And so it's you know, and particularly if you then look at put it, you know, looking at that person in the context of an organisation that doesn't understand what they're really doing, doesn't really know how to measure what they're doing, doesn't really know where they should sit. Um, so it's how how are they then looking at that person as an individual? to make sure that they are being looked after, that they are being supported, um, you know, and, and also looking to make sure that they've got somebody that they can go to because quite often in these smaller companies, they don't have a manager as such. They're just assigned to marketing or technical documentation or, as I said, in some cases, sales so they don't always have a manager who understands what their role is. So yeah, there's there is definitely burnout within um develop within DevRel without a question. Yeah, I don't. There's a misconception developing in some companies that developer relations people are like social media influencers. There was some discussion on Twitter recently. Uh, somebody had seen an ad where it was for a DevRel role. Mm. But candidates must have a minimum of 5,000 Twitter followers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and it's just head in hands. It's like, oh, dear. No. You're just not getting it. <laughs> no, no. Because, you know, there's so many, well, you all know, there's so many different elements to the role. Um, you know, you've got to have you've got to have the technical expertise you've got to be able to write blogs and write content you've got to be comfortable talking to people you know you've got to be able to I mean, uh, public participate speaking, right? yeah public speaking completely yeah, absolutely right yeah absolutely public speaking um you know being comfortable to go to a conference and um, be on a stand and talk to people when they come up to you and yeah, I think I think the difficulty we have at the moment overall is that it's not it's not that new. It's been around for a couple of years, but it's gaining traction. But I'm not sure whether there are enough um, parameters, let's say, around expectations, um, career progression for individuals in the role. I mean, I've seen quite a few people 
yeah, well, you know, I've seen quite a few people where, you know, that I've been talking to who have been a developer, gone into DevRel, gone back to being a developer again, because actually, you know, where, where, where do you take that career and who's there actually to help you manage your career moving forward if DevRel, um, you know, is the path that you want to take? Um, so it's quite um, an insular role, I think. And I think in order for it to expand, there needs to be more talk about it. There needs to be more awareness of what it is, more talk about, um, you know, how these individuals are managed, looked after, and how do we look at their career um, trajectory as well. It feels like we're only at the beginning of defining industry best practices. But I have to thank you on behalf of the community because uh, you're a great sponsor at the various conferences like like DevRelCon and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And that, that's how that's how it starts, yes. with the community coming together. Yes. I mean, I suppose the bad news is, as developers, we've been at this since the 1950s. We still don't know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe, maybe because DevRel is broader, there, there might be an easier time of coming to some basic best practices. I mean, the measurement That's thing it. is yeah. such a challenge. Um, it is. It, it really is a challenge because when when they're when they're working across so many different channels, and um, you know, it's how do you? Let's just say you get ten new, um, you know, customers in one month. You know, it's quite difficult to be able to say. Well, actually, that customer signed up because they watched um, a conference that you gave or you answered a question in a Slack channel that really showed as a business that you understood the pain point and that the product you've got is a true solution. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many amazing blogs and people that write about metrics within um, DevRel. But, yeah, I, I truthfully, I don't think it's ever... It, I don't think we're ever going to have um, a definitive answer. You know, in sales, it's you made 100 cold calls, you spoke to 20 decision makers, you booked five demos, you made one sale. You know, it's right. it's very it's very it's very very quantifiable. But within um, any marketing, you know, because ultimately, you know, it's it's an element of marketing with any kind of marketing awareness function. It's not as easy to be able to say, um, you know, you did this and it resulted in in that. So companies, I suppose, I tell you, Louise, it's, yeah. it, it's a speaking as a, as a developer who's made purchasing decisions from tools company. Sometimes it's something as ephemeral as ephemeral as the vibe that they give off, right? Yes. Is it, is it a developer friendly brand? And it's not related yeah. to the number of blog posts or the number of sample apps or the documentation. It's just uh, the general feeling that you get that developers are valued by that. Yes. By that organization. Absolutely. Um, there was a post on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago now um, talking about um, a very popular internal developer portal, which I shall not name. And there was talk about, you know, part of the reason why companies, and, and I've had this conversation as well, part of the reason why companies are using that specific 
um, kind of product, if you like, is because it comes with a community of users. So that's that was a big thing for a lot of organizations, which is, um, you know, not only are they interested in the product or the the platform that they're purchasing, but actually what came what comes alongside that was a whole community of other users. So they felt that, you know, there is an open source um but so they felt that there was a whole community there that they could dip into and ask questions. And so yeah, I don't I I think we can't underestimate the importance that, you know, developers put on a community. Um I spoke to a wonderful um DevRel candidate a few months ago. Um, whose job it was to manage an open source. Um, I can't quite remember what it what it was specifically, but anyway. And what she said was a big, big part of her role. Every time that somebody new joined that community, they got a welcome. It was very important to her that each and every new um, community member was welcomed into the group. Now. You know that in itself isn't necessarily going to result in a increase in revenue, but if people talk about the feeling that that community gives them, then further down the line, people talk about it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very interesting area. Yeah, we need to move beyond. Um... The, the, these very simplistic metrics of yes. impressions or views or whatever it is, stars on GitHub. Yes. Um, yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we collectively as a community need, need, need to talk about this more. I mean, I haven't, I've read every blog post about it from everybody and we have people new to the industry, we have people that have been around for ages. Um, I mean, my, my own experiences in, in a previous company were, were just that uh, the founders, I was one, we we just intrinsically valued the activity. Um, you know, I was a consulting company, but we ended up with something like eight speakers and open source people whose job it was just was just to do open source and talk about it. Uh, yes. You know, and that, that was just a services company. We didn't have any tooling. Um, and we never... Well, I mean, we were developers, so we didn't know what we were doing. We never considered the idea of measuring what those people were doing. Yeah. That, that yeah. would have been crazy. Uh, yeah, and and I think you, know, you talk about the measuring and, you know, there are definitely some companies for whom it's not important. You know, they understand that, that the DevRel function is contributing overall. So actually... They're not worried so much about um, being able to justify having a DevRel function. However, my concern for that is what about the individuals themselves? Because we all know we're all human beings and, you know, we like to know that we're doing a good job. Yes. Um, you know, if you want to look at uh, rewarding, you know, when it gets the end of year performance reviews and all those type of things. So, Yes, it's great in one respect to say, as a business, we'd, we're not worried about measuring how successful you know our DevRel person is. But from a personal point of view, I actually think those individuals might like to know how they're doing. So it's 
it's not just for the benefit of the organisation, but it is also for the benefit of the individual who's in that role to be able to somehow, um, you know, get to the end of the year and say, you've done a great, you've done a great job. So I do think there needs to be some form of, um, you know, looking at how you attribute what they're doing to the success of the company. Um, if not for anything else, but from a from a personal um, yeah career point of view, I feel like that's an important insight. Because um, you're, you're asking us to separate measurement of the developer relations activity for the business mm. versus the, the personal performance measurement for individual people. Yes, which yeah, as as you rightly say, is is necessary. Really, one needs to know one is doing a good job, right? Yes, um, yeah. So I wonder, is part of the problem that those two are being conflated? Uh, yeah, very, very possibly. Um, and, and maybe there's just, maybe it's just that it's not being discussed, potentially. Um, you know, th th there's an argument to say, you know, if you're not being measured, then you can't be, you can't be judged. Um, and maybe not everybody is concerned with that. But of course, if you think about it, my job, on the recruitment side, is very much talking to candidates, uh, generally, you know, generally about why do they leave roles, you know, what's important to them, and you know, whether whatever role it is, you know, some of the common themes that come up is you know not being supported, um, not feeling part of the business, and so my my worry, I suppose, is how many people in that DevRel function are feeling that way in these kind of smaller organizations and how do you overcome that to make sure that they stay and they flourish it is it is a, it is a significant open question um see, if we think about the structure of, of, of these companies once you're successful like github um you, you have many developer advocates and they have their own team and they're yes and the business doesn't really need to measure them as such because yeah. obvious that they're an essential part of marketing and anyway the business is making millions so just you know the pressure isn't there yes. yeah uh and then you have startups even series a startups which are maybe yeah. 20 30 people and there's a developer team maybe a front-end team and a back-end team or whatever yeah. and then an individual developer advocate who isn't in any team but it's subject of jealousy because they're all swanning around the world. Going, yeah, traveling around the world, yeah. Yeah, not, not half as much fun as... as, as no, it's not, it's not, no. Um, so they, yeah, they're on their own. Um, yeah. Quite quite often they are. Um, yeah, quite often they are on their own. Um, and, you know, I think, I think a lot of it comes back down to that very early stage before you hire... So if you're at a point where you are thinking about bringing somebody in to the DevRel role, then my advice to founders or, or you know hiring managers is you need to have an idea of what you know what what you're kind of expecting that person to do, um, how you're going to onboard them into the business, um, where where is the best which is the best team for them to be, you know, assigned to? Um, how do you include them in everyday um, business functions? 
And also, I, I read a, a blog post the other day about that, that a DevRel person had um, written and said that, you know, on a regular basis, they do talk to the rest of the company, the developers, et cetera, about what they're doing um, so that there is a, uh, you know, within within a business, there's an understanding of what that individual does. Because I, I imagine there's very many cases where you've got the dev team over here, you've got product over here, and then you've got the DevRel person. And it's kind of assumed that, well, everybody knows what they're doing because they're DevRel. But actually, um, as you and I have said, I, I, I firmly believe that there are people within those companies who don't know what their colleague is doing. So it needs to be talked about openly, you know, incorporate that into discussions about, you know, what's going on within the business and make part of that, you know, a talk about what DevRel is doing so that they that that hopefully reduces that feeling of isolation. We have nearly run out of time, Louise, but I have okay. <laughs> I've already got a final question, uh, which might be a bit awkward. Uh, in the market, are you seeing companies paying DevRel more or less or the same than normal developer staff? Oh, interesting. Um, so I still, I, I, there's, there's a difficulty sometimes when I'm talking to companies to get them to talk about what's the budget for the role, because sometimes I don't necessarily feel that they know what that is. Um, so it's not as easy as say, you know, we can benchmark software developer salaries. We can look at what's a, what does a software developer get paid in the US? What do they get paid in Europe? What do they get paid in the UK? So it's much easier to be able to come up with a, uh, a salary budget for those roles. Whereas I think because, as we've said, DevRel is still, compared to software development, extremely new. There isn't much published out there about salary levels in developer relations. So um, I would say, from my experience, that they're probably on a par. I wouldn't say they're more or less, um, because obviously a lot of the time we are looking at software developers going into DevRel. So I would say from my experience, we talk about salary levels. I think there is, um, there's a, yeah, I'd say they're being paid or budgets we're talking about is very similar because ultimately a lot of them come from software development roles. Um, so yeah, yeah at the moment I don't, yeah, at the moment I'm not seeing, um, I mean, gosh, software developer salaries have increased dramatically as, as we know, but I would say that at the moment they're on a par. Interesting. Um, I've seen I've seen cases where they're less because less code is being written and community work and all that is seen as less special. I guess maybe even though it's a very very hard skill. Uh, and other times I've seen people paid more because they're seen as oh they've written a book so they're yes higher level than than the ordinary dev. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch that one and see how see how that kind of washes out. Um, it will absolutely. Thank you so much. Very very interesting perspective, um, and, gr and great to get that perspective on the the developer advocate role itself. Um, I think that's I think this is the first time we've had someone on who's really really has this insight into the industry. Thank you so much. 
no, thank you. Thank you very much indeed for the invite. Awesome. I'm sure we'll talk again. Take care. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgeek.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgeek.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at Voxgeek. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.